0: And thank you for joining this week's podcast With the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams In this week's message The Archbishop shares extraordinary revelation On the life lessons and mandate of Samson Discover how you can overcome life's challenges And the enemy's tactics When you have revelation about your God-given mandate Join us at this year's Global Prayer Work Summit in Connecticut, USA, from the 19th to the 22nd of July. Register now at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of revelation for you. Be empowered as you listen.
1: About two weeks ago, we talked about Delilah. And there's no way you can deal with the subject of Delilah without tackling Samson. Samson is the only reason for which Delilah came on the scene. Without Samson, we wouldn't have heard about Delilah. And in studying and looking at the subject and the life of Samson, I realize that every one of us, every now and then, can find ourselves... In the same place and position and situation that Samson found himself in. Samson's mother came from the tribe of Judah, his father from the tribe of Dan. The Philistines had lorded over the children of Israel for 40 years. For 40 years, the children of Israel were under oppression by the Philistines and after 40 years God stepped in the equation and decided that the sufferings was too much and that he was going to end the sufferings that the children of Israel have found themselves in even though they had sinned and did evil in the sight of God. When the children of Israel came from the east to Occupy the land of Israel or the Promised Land again. During the same time, God brought the Philistines from the south to occupy the land of Dan, and He put them beside each other to coexist. And the reason for that was to make the Philistines to become a thorn in the flesh of the children of Israel. That any time they did evil against God, He will use the children of he will use the Philistines to afflict the children of Israel. And they had done evil in the sight of God. And so God, for 40 years, allowed the Philistines to oppress the children of Israel. Then one day God decided that it was time to show mercy to the children of Israel. They were in a national crisis. So he found a woman from the tribe of Judah and a man from the tribe of Dan, that he will use the two of them, and the woman was barren, that through her and the husband, he will bring deliverance to Israel and to end the national crisis they found themselves in. And a young man by the name of Samson, who looked very insignificant, some of the pictures we see about Samson, strong and mighty was not true. He looked very, very skinny, and didn't look like anyone who was trying to do anything. And yet when the Spirit of God came upon him, he did mighty deeds that men stood in awe, and they wanted to know what made this skinny, so insignificant young man, so powerful to do the things he did. They couldn't understand, he was a mystery. And they couldn't demystify the mystery of his strength and of his power. He did extraordinary things. Samson was so powerful and as we go along you will see that Samson did not pay any price for the power he had. It was God who favored the family and it was about Israel and not about Samson. Today We have a generation of gifted people who have never paid any price for the gift they have, for the success they have achieved and they take it for granted and abuse it and they don't see the value of what they have because they never paid any price for it. That was one of the weakness of Solomon. The other day Solomon's mother Belsheba said, he said, Solomon, Solomon, the son of my womb and the son of my vow, listen to me. Solomon was a product of the mother's vow, and he said, son of my womb, son of my vow, hear me. And Solomon began by enjoying himself, the pleasures of life, wrote the songs of Solomon first, and it was all about pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Then he got to a place, he began to mature. He started with the book of Proverbs, then he ended with Ecclesiastes, where he said, I have seen under the sun that is nothing new. Then he said, I realize, after all these decades of my life that it is all vanity, all is vanity. Samson, Samson was raised as a national hero. He was the seventh judge of the nation of Israel. He reigned and ruled over Israel for 20 years. And never raise an army for the children of Israel. He didn't have a secretary, he didn't have a right-hand man, he didn't have a lieutenant. He was so strong, so gifted, so skillful, so anointed, so intelligent that he needed nobody. And I'm weary and scared and afraid of gifted people, of skillful people, of anointed people who are so skillful, so successful that you don't need anybody. You are a risk, you are a trouble. It's just a matter of time. You find that one of these days that gifts and anointing and skill is not enough. Samson found out at the end of his life that skill, giftings, success, accomplishment, and anointing was not enough. I had a friend so many years ago who was so successful over 30 years ago. He was huge, he was big and anytime I talked to him about prayer he literally mocked me and I didn't understand why I almost stopped praying because I didn't understand why I would fast and I pray the way I did and yet he was huge he was successful he had more than me and the guy wasn't praying he wouldn't fast and I didn't understand that and after so many years he ended up so bad Things didn't work out, he lost everything, but he was huge, he was big in those days. And he said to his right hand man, he said the reason why he had problems with me, encouraging him to to pray, is because anything he touched became gold. Anything he touched became gold. And he didn't see the need to fast and the need to pray, because everything he touched became gold. And I realized that my call was to teach and to encourage God's people to pray, and that the prayer was not about me, But it was about the body it was about the church it was about nations it was about others and i was praying and seeing god move miracles changes healing in the life of others and i wasn't seeing it in my life or in the life of my own family and sometimes i got discouraged until the lord told me the gift the anointing is not for you it's not about you it's for my church it's for my body it's for others come on put your hands together and give him praise Come with me to Judges, the 13th chapter, reading from the first to the
2: second verse. Judges 13, 1 and 2. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Mm -hmm. And there was a certain man of of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manuel, and his wife was barren and bare none. The Bible didn't tell us the name of the wife but we
1: have the name of the man and for 40 years that is a, so long a time to be under judgment and bondage from God. And God decided that it was time to end the sufferings and the pain and the punishment upon his people so he raised a man by the name of Samson to bring to an end the sufferings of his people. Is there a possibility? That somebody, somewhere, hearing the sound of my voice this precious Sunday morning the 21st of May, is there a possibility that you might be the answer to the crisis and the sufferings of your family, of your tribe, of your nation, of your community? Is there a possibility that God has raised you up to bring an end to the sufferings and the injustice in your nation, in your community? at the marketplace or in the church, is there a possibility that you are the something called by God, chosen by God to bring to an end the wickedness of the wicked, that you can do things out of the ordinary, that you can do extraordinary things, that you can go the extra mile and that you are gifted than your siblings and others, that you can do things that others are not capable of doing. Is there the possibility that you've been chosen to make a difference in the life of others? And maybe not in your own life. Something was chosen to be a solution and an answer to a dense suffering and pain in the life of his people. Come with
2: me to Judges 14 and 1. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Hear me. One of the challenges of
1: Samson was that he was a soulish believer. He moved by what he saw. Soulish Christians are born again, but they operate by what they see, what they feel, what they hear, and what they think. Not by what the word says, they don't pray by the word, they don't pray by the spirit. They are by what they feel, what they see, what they hear, what they think. If you are that kind of a Christian, you always be tortured and troubled. The enemy will exact on you and will afflict you emotionally, mentally, bodily, because you are a soulish Christian. So, Samson went to the camp of the enemy of God's people. Even though God used that situation for God's advantage, he shouldn't have engaged there, and he engaged there, and she nagged at him. If you're a woman who is a nagger, you're a problem. And if you're a man who submits to the nagging of a wife and a woman, you are something of your generation. It's just a matter of time. And she nagged at him to the point that he revealed a secret that he shouldn't have revealed to her. And she betrayed him and used the secret. He told her, revealed the secret to his enemies, and they had an advantage over him. That was the first caution and warning before Delilah came on the scene. Because Delilah was laying ambushment for Samson. It was a process to get him to that point point. and the first point was to use this woman to start weakening his defenses so by the time he got to Delilah he would have been neutralized. He still didn't learn the lesson and we all every now and then fall into the same trap. We don't learn lessons and you know why? If you study the life of Samson carefully, something was so gifted, so anointed, so skillful, so successful that he didn't need to spend time with God. He didn't need to pray. He didn't need to fast. As a matter of fact, for the 20 years he ruled over Israel, as a judge, he prayed only twice for 20 years. And even if you look at the times he prayed, were only times when he was in trouble that he called on God for help. We don't pray because we have a need. We don't pray because we are in trouble. We pray because it's a daily necessity for daily triumph. We pray because you can go out like the guy, like the guy walking, left the house, holding the umbrella, did not know that he was going to fall into a pit and may never come back home like the woman holding a little innocent child and baby left the house and did not know that that was going to be the end of the life of that child and that's why we need to pray like never before the bible said pray and when you pray say Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil that is evil in this world. And it is only at the place of prayer that we can be delivered from the evil that is in this world. There is temptation in this life. I don't care how gifted you are, and I don't care how strong you might be, and I don't care how good you are. Everybody can be tempted by something. Somebody put your hands together. Shout yes. Come with me. Come with me to the book of Judges, the fourteenth,
2: the sixteenth chapter, and the first verse. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there an harlot, and went in unto her. He went to Gaza
1: from the first Philistine woman. He now moved to a prostitute, to a harlot. He was he was going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Gifted. So anointed, successful, skillful, but he leaned on his gift. He trusted in his gift. It's dangerous to trust in yourself. is every man who trusts in the arm of flesh. For it is not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, said the Lord. And the Bible said, by strength shall no man Prevail. It's dangerous to lean on your own strength. The Bible says, Be not wise in your own eyes. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge God and He will direct your path. Somebody shout, Yes. Something was in one that trusted in Him, He trusted in His ability in his giftings, in his capability. All he had to do was to shake himself and the power and the anointing to do extraordinary things came upon him. And this time around, he found himself with a harlot, slept with her all night long, woke up in the morning, shook himself and the anointing came and he took the gate and the pillars of a city. You can be in error. And walk in disobedience and still carry the oil. And still be gifted and still be anointed. You can prophesy, bless the people of God and still be fooling and sleeping around. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And it is not given for your benefits but for the benefit of others. Moses was specifically instructed by God to speak to the rock. God said speak to the rock. You smote the rock the other day, but today don't smite it, speak to the rock. And the Bible said he smoked the rock twice and even though he erred and he was in disobedience, the Bible said the rocks gave water, water came out of the rocks and fed the people. They drank of the water that came out of the rock even though he acted in disobedience and in error. The people were, were blessed but he wasn't blessed. It means that you can still be gifted and still bless people, impact people, change the life of people, make a difference in the life of others whilst you are still in error, whilst you are still in disobedience. And God gives all of us an opportunity to turn around to come to ourselves to realize that depending on the gift and the anointing and the skill is not enough that you got to have a relationship with the provider and not the provision you must have a relationship with the giver and not the gift is anybody hearing me say yes so something slept with the harlot and today maybe you are not sleeping with the hallowed but you are sleeping with the doctrines of demons, you are sleeping, yeah, with human intelligence, you are sleeping with systems, you are sleeping with pride and arrogance, you are sleeping with your own achievement and success, and therefore you think you are good, you don't need anybody. Because your, your, your human intelligence and the skills and the systems and, and the anointing you are working with is working. And everything you touch is gold. So you don't need the master. You don't need the provider. The provision is okay. Realize that something found himself in a similar situation where he was fooling but the gift was still operating. And that is where the deception is. Where we can still be blessing people, still feel the oil flowing, and therefore we don't see the need of turning to the master. But today I pray that whatever you find yourself in, you realize, you realize that God gives us all the opportunity to turn around and realize that even though Moses was in error and disobedience, and he did wrong, the rock still responded and water came out to bless the people. The people were blessed but he wasn't blessed. People can be blessed by your gift and by anointing whilst you are in error, in disobedience and you are not blessed yourself. And you know it, but people are being blessed and that—that that is where the deception is. The deception is with this generation. That we so depend on our skill, our anointing, our success, achievement and gifting to the point where we don't need anything and we don't need anybody. I was asking one of my bishops is here the other day. I said, you've known me for many years. How do you think I'm doing? He looked at me and said, be honest with me. How do you think I'm doing? Every now and then, you need to check yourself. You need to examine yourself. You have to. Jesus said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? What are they saying about me? What is the perception of public opinion about me? And after they had told him, he said to them, you that are with me, who say ye that I am? I want to know your personal opinion about me. And if you are one that is so gifted, so anointed, so good, that you don't have people around you who can hold you accountable and who can look at you in the eye and say to you, you're doing well but you got to check this and check that and check that area. I was telling Bishop Nyako and I said, I haven't seen you for some time now, please check on me, let me know how I'm doing. It's important to have people around you who hold you accountable. Don't be so gifted, so good, so anointed like Samson. That nobody can speak into your life If you are that individual You are in trouble If you are depending on money And gold and silver I rather have Jesus than silver and gold Because there come a time when money fails There come a time when resources and influence And connection and influence fail It is said that during the time of the pandemic More people die out of loneliness Than from COVID-19 More people die People who had wealth and money, they lost their lives because of loneliness and boredom. They could not function all alone, gifted, deep pocket resources, money, wealth, success. Like the richest man in Spain, over $23 billion died alone in the hospital. Stephen, whatever the surname is of Apple, died. With all the billions of dollars, he died. We overestimate money. We overrate money. Money don't answer everything. Money has things it answers. But there come a time when relationship and community will save your life. Come on somebody, put your hands together and give him praise. And for those of you who don't care about relationship, you don't care about community, because today you are huge, you are big, you are so successful that you don't see the need of others. Because everything you touch becomes gold. Ah, there will come a time one of these days when the dust settles and water finds its level, and the curtains are brought down, you realize that gives on their own means nothing. That you're going to need more than your anointed. You're going to need more than your success. You're going to need more than your achievement. You're going to need somebody. One of these days, you will need somebody. So take a little bit time, invest time into somebody. Care about others, bless others. Build bridges, don't burn bridges, because you never know when you need somebody. Put your hands together and give him praise.
2: Judges 16 and 4. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. So this time, he ended
1: up in the valley. He kept going down and down till he landed in the valley. At the time he got to the valley, his strength was already neutralized because they've worked on him from the first woman, that when he met Delilah, he could not resist her spell. Could not. And if you watch something throughout, he kept on making decisions by what he saw. And at the end, he lost his sight. He lost his eyes. He couldn't see the things that moved him anymore. Turn to somebody and say, what seest thou? And ask somebody what is moving you what is moving you because you see as long as you live you will see things you like but you don't need them oh yeah you will I'm telling you as as I mature and as I grow and come up in the things of God and as I begin to think about the Bible says show us teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. As I begin to think about my future, and as I begin to think about decades and years from now that I'm not gonna be here forever, I begin to think about how am I going to end the race? And as I begin to think about that, I I begin to realize that there are so many things I may admire, I may like, but I don't need it. Are you hearing me somebody? And until, until you come to a place in this life that you realize that you may see things you like and admire, but you don't need it. You can function without it. It looks great. And that was Samson's problem. He moved by what he saw. He was a man of looks. He was only moved by looks. And the Bible says, beauty is deceitful, charm is vain, but the woman that fear the Lord shall be praised. And as as you go along in this world, this is a generation that is moved by looks and things that we hear. It's a look generation. Everything looks good. But you got to take a little bit time and investigate and go behind what you are seeing. What is behind the look? What is behind the looks? What is behind the beauty? What is behind the charm? What is behind that good smell and taste? What is behind the good rap? What is behind that touch and sensitivity of what you like? What is behind it? Investigate. Do due diligence. Check the family. The bloodline. Do you realize that our fathers and our mothers, whenever you bring a girl or a man to the house and you want to marry, the first thing they want to do is to inquire. Whose son or daughter is this? They want to see, uh, they want to check the background, they want to know about that family. Today we don't check the family, we don't check the family. We don't check the village and the house they come from. We just follow the looks, the looks. Hey, looks will fool you, are you hearing me somebody, touch somebody and say looks will fool you, it will fool you, you got to go beyond looks and check the background. Find out what goes on with the women and the men of that house and of that family. Hear me? It's not every man you sleep with, and it's not every woman you sleep with. There are some women, when you sleep with them, you wake up and your hair is off your body. You will lose your head. Tell somebody, you can lose your head, oh. You can lose your head. Is anybody clapping I say you can lose your head? Samson put his head on her thighs. Ask somebody. Where is your head lying? You, your head. Where is he lying? It's not every pillow you put your head on. Investigate. Check the pillow. Find out what is in the pillow. Hey. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give him praise. I know you are gifted. I know you are skillful. I know you are anointed. I know you are very successful. But anointing and success and gift and power don't deliver you when you put your head on Delilah's thigh. I'm not feeling you, I'm not feeling you. Come on, somebody. As anointed as he was, gifted, successful as he was, powerful as he was, the power, the gift, the anointing, the achievement, and the success could not deliver him from Delilah's time. Hey! I said, hey, there are some ties, you don't play with it, oh. Hear me, turn to someone and say, there are some ties, some sometimes, some ties. You don't play with it. Tell somebody, run. You didn't hear me, tell somebody, Run. I know, I know you are very anointed. I know you are very skillful and very gifted and very powerful, but hear me, this is not about power, this is not about anointing, this is not about giftings, this is not about success, this one. (laughs) (laughs) Hear me? It is said that when the anointing on you is greater than the anointing within you, you are in trouble. Can I say it again? When the anointing on you is greater than the anointing within you, you are in trouble. Because the anointing within you helps you to develop character for longevity but the anointing on you empowers you to perform. That's why many gifted gospel musicians left the church, very gifted, they left the church with the gift from God and they sang for the devil. They went out there and they sang for the enemy and the gift was still operating. And they touch lives, bless so many people with the gift of God, glorifying the devil with the gift from God, and they still blessed people even when they were out of touch with God. When they forsook God, and when they had turned on God and rebelled against God, the gift was still operating, but watch their latter end, they did not end well. So the fact that your gift is still operating, the fact that you still bless people, you still touch people with the gift of God does not mean God is with you. That's what the Bible says. Let him that think he stands, take heed lest he falls. Anyone can fall, God is not the respecter of any pe- person. Neither is demons the respecter of anybody. Demons can tempt anybody. They don't care who you are. And you know something? Demons are not afraid of anointing or gifts or skill because the devil is an anointed cherub. He himself is anointed. Are you hearing me, somebody? Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. When you don't know the value of a thing, you will abuse it. And if you haven't paid the price for a gift, you will never value it. That was the problem of Solomon. He didn't pay the price for the gift. His mother and father paid the price for them. Oh, that our children and our grandchildren, in the name of Jesus, may have a personal encounter with God. Oh, that our children and grandchildren will experience God somewhere somehow. That they will not function by our vow only and by our gifting only. But they will know God for themselves. That in their day and in their time, they will not sleep nor stumble nor fall. Because they didn't pay the price for the gift. Somebody put your hands together. Somebody say, I hear you. I can't hear you, somebody. Judges 14, 5 to 6.
2: and Sam- Then, then mm-hmm. went Samson down mm-hmm. and his father and his mother to Timnath mm-hmm. and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he rent him as he would have, he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. That is how gifted the man was. That anything that came against
1: him, he had the ability to handle it. The fact that you can handle everything and you haven't been in trouble yet don't mean you will never be in trouble. God is just showing you mercy and giving you time and chance to turn around. And we all find ourselves in those situations Every now and then, that God will give us time and chance and mercy to turn around. Judges 14 and 19.
2: And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. Something operated by anger.
1: Most times when he was angry, that was when the spirit came upon him. He operated by revenge. He was a man that could not forgive. You offend him, you hurt him, he will come after you. He used the strength given him and the power given to him for the benefit of his people and Israel to avenge himself of anyone that offended him. Are you the kind and the type that takes vengeance into your hand and will hurt Seven scores, go out of your way to do anything to show people that you too you are, and you too you day, and you too you are powerful. Turn to somebody and say, careful! careful. Say it one more time careful. careful! Judges 15 and 18 and 19 no,
2: 15, 14 and 15 when he came to lehi the philistines came shouting against him then the spirit of the lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his hands became like flax that is burned with fire and his bones broke loose from the hands he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it
1: this was his problem The dude was so good, so gifted, so anointed, so successful that one man, one man, could slay 1,000 of the Philistine army that came with a sword and they came with a spear. He could handle it all alone by himself and so he didn't raise an army. He operated alone, didn't need anybody, turn to somebody and say, whenever, You think you don't need anybody, you are in trouble. Put your hands together. Give somebody, give God a praise. Tap somebody, tap somebody, tap somebody. Tell the person, whenever you think that you don't need anybody, you are in trouble. Somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Screaming, shouting, say, Mercy, mercy. One more time, say, Mercy.
2: Judges 16 and 3. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and cried and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. That's that, that where the problem is that
1: he laid with the hallowed all night long and I woke in the morning and the spirit was still upon him. The gift was still operating. He was still doing great and mighty deeds and didn't realize
2: that it was for a season. Judges 16 and 20. And he said, the Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he did not know that the Lord had heard from him. You see, when,
1: whenever you despise your vow, whenever, whenever you ignore the vow for which you are blessed and gifted, you forfeit it he forfeited it and i want to show you something come with me
2: to 16 and 28 judges 16 28. and samson called unto the lord and said "O lord god remember me i pray thee and strengthen me i pray thee only this once O god that i may be at once avenged of the philistines for my two eyes you see If you look at even the prayer, this was the second time in
1: 20 years that Samson prayed. Now, if you look at this scripture carefully, you realize that even at this point and time of his life, two things happened. He prayed to avenge, for God to avenge him of his enemies because they removed his eyes, not to empower him to avenge his people, but because of his eyes. So, God has to work with Samson through this mentality and attitude of revenge, to win victory over his people. Two, his hair grew again, turn to somebody and say I see your hair growing again, I see your hair growing again. Is God not a merciful God, that against all contradiction, God still gives us chance and a chance and a chance again and again and again that we may come back again. Come on somebody, thank him for his steadfast love and his mercy that he never gives up on us. Yes sir, yes sir. God did not put something strength in his eyes because if he had put the power in his eyes, his strength would have never come back again. But God put it in the hair so the hair will grow again. Isn't God not good? But, but, but at this time, at this time Sansim had come of age, he had matured, and for once he realized that the strength was not enough, and that the strength growing was not enough, that the gift and the anointing was not enough. He realized this time that he needed the source of the gift. So he went beyond his head and said Lord you are the source of my strength. I need you one more time and I'm not going to lean on my gift. How I pray for somebody that you won't lean on money, you won't lean on your expertise, you won't lean on systems, you won't lean on giftings and anointing but you will lean on the almighty God. Come on put your hands together, somebody and give him praise. Are you praising him? I can't feel you. Are you praising him, somebody? Mm-hmm. Romans 15 and 4. Romans for, 15 and 4. For whatsoever
2: four. things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Yes, sir. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. First Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 11 and 12. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You know something? I'll give you one scripture
1: Psalm 55, verse 16 and 17.
2: As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. This was,
1: this was King David, one of the most successful kings that ever lived. He realized that being gifted, being successful, having silver and gold was not enough. And he said, as for me, Irrespective of my giftings, anointing and skills and the access and the power that I have, I will call upon God. I will pray evening and morning and at noon. I will pray and I'll cry out and he shall hear my voice. I don't know about you, but for me, I need him. I need him. If you watch, when I came in the beginning, the choir had sung, and yet I wasn't feeling him, the atmosphere was still heavy, I could not function, I'm not a lecturer, I'm not one that just teaches and preaches the word and the scriptures, I got to feel the present, he has to come upon me before I can function, somebody say yes. Oh, I don't know about, that's why the other day, David said the other day, he said, Lord, you can take the kingdom, take the throne, take silver, take gold, take everything from me, but don't take away the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody, put your hands together and give him praise. Praise him, somebody.
0: We know you are blessed by that Word of God. And look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.